Hello and welcome back to another edition of the uh, Mouthy Money podcast. Today we've got, uh, I would perhaps say, the most special guest of of the run so far. Uh, and I'm joined by my very own colleague, uh, close personal colleague, uh, Paul Thomas. Paul, hi. Hello, Ed. I, uh, I'm almost destined to fail, I think, after that intro. <laughs> So Paul and I have worked, we've worked together for what, about four, four years now, uh, yeah, head, yeah, heading, up a, heading up a, 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 a very uh, strong content team on the MRM side of the, of the kind of the Mouthy Money puzzle. But Paul's here today uh, under the guise of his uh, speciality, uh, we should call it. Uh, Paul is going to tell us about the mortgage market and some important stuff that's going on in mortgages at the moment. So, um, Paul, just before we get into mortgages, do you want to just give us a bit of a background for for, for the listeners uh, so they know who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so um, uh, I've pretty much written about mortgages for the last 15 years. So uh, prior to my time uh, working with you, Ed, at MRM, so uh, I joined about five years ago. Uh, I, was, I was a mortgage journalist, essentially, uh, so born and bred. So I started my career in journalism, writing about mortgages, and I'm still writing about mortgages 15 years later. So I think once it's got its claws in you, you never get away from it sort <laughs> of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, but edited a, a, a trade title, a, more a specialist mortgage trade title, and then sort of wrote about the topic for, for, the, for the national press. Brilliant. So what what we're going to do today, um, because you're kind, of, we want to tap into that kind of you know your expertise around mortgages and your experience in the market. Which fifteen years, you know, you've seen probably seen quite a lot of change now. I, would, I think it'd probably be safe to say in 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 the way that you know the mortgage market goes, because um, that probably just about encompasses the financial crisis, does it? Would you would you say you would have been starting out around then, wouldn't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I yeah. did cut my teeth in the. Uh... The absolute horror show that was the, uh, the the wake of the financial crisis or 2008 2009 so i came a tiny yeah, bit yeah. after that um but you know the market was very still much reeling from from the effects of of, of the financial crash so it was uh all so just to, yeah so to give it give it context basically then so we post financial crash obviously we had the chaos of you know lenders going bankrupt and the market kind of going completely haywire and all that kind of thing and bank bailouts and all that stuff, which we won't bog ourselves down with, but thinking, I mean, the, the kind of the big upshot with that is of, with that was we got ultra low interest rates for a decade. Uh, and that obviously had major implications for kind of the way the mortgage market functioned. Do you want to just illustrate for us how, you know, what that kind of lay of the land was and let's call it pre pandemic. Uh, what, what did the mortgage landscape look like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for uh, I mean, it, it couldn't be any more different today than it is than it than it was pre-pandemic, essentially. So, so like like you said, that after the financial crisis, um, you know, central banks, governments, uh, they went into a bit of a tailspin. They bunkered down, um, uh, you know, and, and in order to protect the economy, and you know, this is the biggest financial crisis since since the 1930s, since the Great Depression. So. Uh, they were trying all sorts of things in order to sort of keep the economy going. You know, the last thing they wanted to do was to sort of uh, uh, amplify the problem, really. So, so what they did, as, exactly as you said, uh, they cut interest rates and they didn't just cut interest rates a little bit. They cut them as low as they've ever been. So, you know, in, uh, at its lowest uh, bank base rate, which is the, the most important interest rate in the United Kingdom, you know, influences everything, the, the, the cost of all sorts of debt in, in, in the UK economy. Uh, but that was cut to sort of 0.25%, and that was unprecedented. We'd never seen levels like that before. 
in in anyone's lifetime, not just not just our own. Um, and, and obviously that had major implications for, for the market, you know, and, and we got used to incredibly low interest rates and incredibly low interest rates means incredibly low cost of borrowing, incredibly low mortgages. And, and that situation sort of prevailed for the next 10, 12 years, like you said. Um, and, you know, that's absolutely fantastic if you are a house, if you're a house owner, or if you want to buy a house and mortgage rates are really cheap, uh, what that allows you to do is perhaps borrow a little bit more. Or you know you can you can buy a house maybe that you wouldn't have been able to afford uh, uh, if if interest rates were were slightly higher. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that and that was on on the other side of the coin. Terrible for savers, and now the 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 sort of playing ground's been leveled a little bit. Now savers are getting a much better deal than they are, but uh, mortgage borrowers are feeling feeling the pinch a little bit. So roll yeah, so roll us forward to and obviously I mentioned the pandemic there, but the the real this is kind of. Well, the real actual turn in the market kind of really came about when inflation really started kicking off. When was that? Probably, I can't remember now. Really it feels like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah probably like, sort of, uh, mid to late 2022 when you really yeah. sort of saw that, uh, the, 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 the start of the, this is all inflationary uh, mm. cycle. Yeah, so, so, so like you said, the... Um, Coming out of the pandemic, obviously everyone was everyone was hunkered down in their homes. No one was spending money; they were saving. Uh, and then, you know, as we all probably did, you know, as soon as you were allowed outside again, what did you do? You, know, you maybe bought a nice new car. You you spent the money going on holiday. You know, you went out for meals probably more often than you than you did. And you know, you had this war chest of savings that you've been saving up for months and months on end. And a lot of people felt pretty flush. You know, they they had, they had a bit more. They had a lot more money than they certainly did. They felt much richer than they did. Um, and the problem is, when all of that money starts coming back into the economy, um, prices rise. It's the whole supply and demand thing. When 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 there is too much money chasing too few goods, uh, as as the textbooks would tell you, then prices go up. And the problem is, when they went up, they really really went up. So <laughs> I think in in the UK. Uh, inflation, uh, which the Bank of Bank of England likes to keep at about two percent, went up beyond eleven percent. And you know, this is we hadn't seen anything like this um, before I was born. So, you know, in, in the, since yeah. the early, uh, late seventies, early nineteen eighties. So the upshot of that is, it, when you get high inflation, you have to put rates up to combat it, right? And that that feeds directly, and it's almost like we, we spend a lot of time kind of. Uh, not complaining about it, but but kind of wringing our hands about it. But it's it's by design. Mortgages get more expensive, right? This is the the, the nub of the issue, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. The I mean, interest rates are a really powerful tool, and it's it's, it's the main tool that um, central banks like the Bank of England or like the Federal Reserve in the US or the European Central Bank in in Brussels uh, in in Europe. Sorry, uh, they. They put up interest rates if they if they see prices are rising too. So you, you've got um, let's take a step back. You've got uh, a little bit of price growth. So inflation is the the rising cost of goods. So so generally central banks don't mind if prices are rising by about two percent a year. That's absolutely fine. People can deal with that. Uh, when it goes into reverse and prices fall, that's not a good thing. That's we saw that in Japan in the 1980s and early 90s. Uh, but when they grow too quickly, that's also a bad thing because ultimately we all feel a lot poorer. Um, so, so in in a normal in economic environment, you'll get central bank will be changing uh, interest rates fairly regularly. You know, they're trying to keep this fine balance of the keeping the economy growing, but also uh, keeping price uh, rises in check as well. 
Um, and the problem is, you know, uh, coming out of the pandemic, in prices are just flying. Like I said, you know, they, they uh, price uh, prices were growing eleven uh, percent and on an annual basis at one point in uh, last year, and you know, and and the price of food grew even more. You know, we're talking about twenty percent. So you know, you go in and buy your your weekly shop and suddenly it's 20% more expensive than it was a year ago. And, and that that's not good for the economy either. So uh, central banks put up interest rates and this is exactly what they did. So we went from 0.25% um, a few years ago to where we are today, which is 5.25%. Uh, and you might think, actually, that's not that's not a lot, but it, it really, really does have a ripple effect. And, and you mentioned this all the impact on mortgages there. So it's kind of a funny dynamic because... Uh, Interest rates are the most important, but, but um, central bank uh, uh, bank rates or Bank of England bank rate is the most important interest rate in the UK, without a doubt. Um, but it doesn't actually directly affect the cost of mortgages, um, but indirectly it does. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So um, yeah. uh, the, 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 the cost of fixed rate mortgages, which is the most popular type of mortgage product. You've also got a, a tracker mortgage, which, as the name suggests, moves up and down in line with Bank of England base rate. Uh, but fixed rate mortgages are ultimately determined by uh, something called a swap rate. And swap rates are essentially what investors, professional investors, think the future path of interest rates will be. So if they think uh, in a year's time or two years' time, the interest rates are going to rise, then swap rates will rise with them. And when swap rates rise, then pretty much every single time you'll see an uplift in um, uh, mortgage rates as well. Yeah, depending on you know uh, how much lenders want to lend. So competition is a bit of a factor there, which may limit any increases. And and, and um, in, in reverse as well, you've got the same thing happening. If swap rates fall, so if, if, if the market, the financial markets think that uh, base rate is going to fall in the future, then swap rates will come down and you'll see mortgage rates come down, which is fantastic for homeowners, obviously. Um, so, so, yeah, we've got this situation now where uh, uh, post-pandemic um, and, and, and sort of the back end of 2022, uh, the Bank of England was making signals that it would have to increase uh, interest rates. And the problem is the markets went into a tailspin and went, oh, my God, what does that mean for the economy? What does that mean for people's savings? What does that mean for people's mortgages? You know, we hadn't seen a uh, base rate rise above one percent in in a decade so you know and, and and now suddenly we're talking at one point they thought interest rates were going to go as, as high as six maybe even seven percent some people were uh, were predicting so you know this is for some people particularly people who bought their house for the first time this is a scary scary moment you know it's uncharted territory so um uh swap rates uh, exploded uh mortgage weight, uh, rates went uh, through the roof and and now we're sort of living with the consequences of that sort of uh, big, big rise in inflation uh, after the pandemic. Yeah. So we've got, and, and now where we are now, uh, I get the sense that we've got kind of two very slightly distinct, but very particular problems for, for particularly for anybody who's looking to remortgage. So because we had, um, as we've kind of alluded to there, we had years and years and years of very low rates and people would sit on, you know, a five-year fix or a 10-year fix, or maybe even just a two-year fix, although a lot of them will have already now felt the pain, or some of them at least. You have this issue where we have a lot of people who are going from very low rates to much, much higher rates. So they're having to eat a big uptick in their kind of monthly payments. But then you also have this other issue now, which you kind of alluded to there, where we're over the peak of the inflation, 
the mortgage, the, the swap rate market and all this kind of stuff is actually looking towards the other end of it with, and mortgage prices are beginning to trickle down a little bit. So you have an issue where people are looking at remortgaging potentially at a much higher, you know, having to pay much higher costs, but also sitting there thinking, you know, do I hold on? Do I go on a tracker? Do I wait and see if stuff comes down a little bit and gamble on it? So we're in a kind of a very tricky spot uh, in that sense. Um, and obviously, while we're not going to give advice, away advice, um, Paul, the reason we've got you here is because we want you to talk a little bit to that. You know, what people thinking about remortgaging, you know, what do we do? How do, how do we how do we figure it out? Yeah, I mean, that is, that's the $64 million question, right? <laughs> At the moment, yeah, you know, every ho homeowner in the country is coming to the end of their fixed rate deal is asking themselves the same thing. What on earth do I do? You know, it was it was easy ten years ago because you just thought, well, I, I got a fixed rate, five year fixed rate last time. I'll just get another one. You know, th uh, loans, mortgages were so cheap. Um, you know, you'd see comments in the press at the time saying it's basically free money. Interest rates were at the lowest they've ever been. Uh, the, the amount of interest you would pay on a loan, whether that be a personal loan or or, or a mortgage, was was you know incredibly low. You know, and and, and mortgages are at their cheapest they've ever, ever been. Um, now, we, like you said, we have sort of reached uh, what many are calling a turning point in the market. So it does look, um, and, and I'm going to heavily caveat this in a second, but it does look as if uh, mortgage rates have peaked for, for the time being. Um, and, and the reason for that is because uh, inflation or the price of goods, the, the price growth of goods has come down significantly. So, so now we're looking at about 4%, whereas before we were looking at 11 plus percent. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the Bank of England ultimately wants interest rates to come down to 2%. Um, but it also has a deal response. It has, also has a responsibility to, to not crash the economy, essentially, as well. So, so it, ha it is a fine balancing act between bringing inflation down, but not choking off the economy. So, so there is talk now that the Bank of England may be forced. And it is coming under some serious pressure, actually, at the moment from some quarters, from some some experts, some commentators are saying, look, now you need to start thinking about cutting rates. This is, you know, inflation's coming down. Uh, it's coming down uh, quicker than a lot of people thought. Um, and at the same time, you've got, um, well, we've just come out of a recession. To what well, we're in a recession potentially, but uh, some people think we may have come out of it. So the economy is obviously uh, shrunk a little bit um, and at best is stagnating. So there is talk that the Bank of England may start to look uh, to, in, uh, so decrease interest rates uh, at the back end of this year. You know, it's, it depends who you speak to, but um, it uh, you know it could be as early as uh, as early end of spring, early summer. Other people think it's maybe towards the back end of the year. But I, what I would, and I said I'd caveat it. Uh, what I would say is that that is not a guarantee. So so you should not base any decision you make uh, on predictions about future base rates uh, and the path of interest yeah. rates. So I think uh, the, the problem, uh, people make a lot of decisions based on predictions, and I think that's not the wisest thing to do. So, I mean, yeah, ultimately, you, you, it, what, the, what you decide, um, and it's going to sound a bit like a cop-out answer, but it really <laughs> ultimately depends on your, on your situation and uh, where you think interest rates are going. Right? And, what I just asked you to do there is to peer into the crystal ball. I know. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? And it, like you say, everybody's circumstance is slightly, slightly different, and it's, um, it's, it's difficult because it's like, 
you can, but it's like with anything, isn't it? It's like within, and we always caveat when it comes to stuff like investing and this kind of thing as well is when you, when you do make these kind of decisions, there is always an element of risk in there and, it, and it's a judgment that you have to make, you know, what you, what you think you can afford and what you think, you know, you know best. And I mean, it's, uh, and I always, and I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, no mortgage expert myself. Um, and, and I was kind of like, count myself lucky that I was one of the last cohort to get that kind of sub 3%, you know, get on the ladder and I'll fix for five years. And it's like, ah, you know, (laughs) rubbing my hands with glee type thing. But, you know, I've got, I've got lots of friends out there who, who are in this exact position. And it's like, you talk to them about it and it's like, well, you know, what do you do? You're in this kind of, there is no, you know, it's not an enviable position, especially not if you, if you book that, that rate now and then, in six months' time, the rates are suddenly much better, and you're kicking yourself, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's about due diligence and shopping around, right, and and making sure that you're, you know, you're looking for the best deal that you can get possible. So, what for you? What is kind of the most important thing to do when it comes to kind of shopping around and, and making sure you get that good deal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head. There is, I think, the message is just. It, take action, do not bury your head in the sand. You know, if you've taken out a, a five-year fixed rate four and a half years ago, don't wait for that five-year deal to run out. You know, Start speaking to, if you've got a mortgage broker, fantastic. Get on the phone to them, uh, ask them to start scouring the market for the best deals. Um, if you um, don't have a mortgage broker, maybe try and find one. If you don't want to go through a mortgage broker, then go back to your existing lender and see what products they have on offer. So that's what's called uh, in, in horrible uh, sort of, uh, mortgage jargon, product transfer. What that means is essentially going back to your lender for a new mortgage after your existing fixed rates uh, ended. So the, there, are some, there are some benefits of that uh, and they are really popular. Uh, because you go back to your existing lender, they know you, right? You've, you've, as long as you haven't missed any payments, they know that you're what they call a good risk, i.e. you're not going to default on your debts. You know, you, you are a responsible borrower. Uh, and they, uh, you do all the sort of hoops that you would have jumped through the, the previous time that you, uh, when you first joined them, when you first became their customer, uh, they're, they're sort of far fewer. You know, you don't have to sort of clear so many hurdles. The fees tend to be a bit lower. Uh, the other option is is a remortgage, and a remortgage is moving from your existing lender to another lender in the market. That has a pros. That that has several pros as well. So the, and and several cons. Uh, the pros being another lender in the market may offer you a cheaper mortgage. Uh, the cons being, of course, that you're going to have to go through all of what what they call affordability tests. So they'll check your income, they check your outgoings, uh, they'll credit score you, and they'll do all of that. Uh, you may have to pay higher fees, um, but you've got to sort of offset that against what you're getting uh, in terms of a mortgage rate. So if it works out a much better deal for you to go with another lender who's offering a, a lower rate, you may pay a higher fee, but overall the cost of that mortgage may be cheaper. So it's ultimately got to make a judgment call on that. And and, and I suppose the, the, a lot of people in this situation now are coming to the end of their deal. They're thinking, you know, what do I do? Do I get another five-year uh, five fixed rate? Do I get a two-year fixed rate? Do I get a tracker? Do I just do nothing? Um, and I think to, to answer that last point first, don't do nothing. <laughs> do something. <laughs> Speak yeah, to something. Yeah, yeah. Lend out your broker. Do something. Um, and and uh, so, so 
to cover off maybe the pros and cons of those. And and again, like you said earlier, this isn't financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Um, but you, so if if we were going to take sort of a five year fixed rate for argument's sake, this you may have had a five year fixed rate for all of the time you've been a house uh, a house owner. Um, but now things are very different. You know, interest rates are much higher. So do you lock in for another five years at a higher rate or do you wait until potentially interest rates come down in the future? Again, that's no guarantee. Uh, so you may be onto it. You may actually have called the, the market. We may stay at interest rates at 5.25% uh, for the next few years. You know, it's unlikely, but it could happen. You know, if something if something incredibly challenging happens in the economy or inflation starts to go through the roof again, you know, we're, 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 you know no one's got a crystal ball. Um, or you could think, okay, right, actually, well, um, I can stomach uh, higher interest rates for two years. And then at the end of those two years, hopefully interest rates will have come down. I'll get a brand new five-year fix uh, at a much lower interest rate, and then I'll be happy then. Uh, that's absolutely fine. You know, the, uh, Some people uh, may decide that they're willing to do that, like I said, to stomach that those increased uh, repayments for, for two years. Uh, then you've got other people then who think, actually, I'm going to be a bit savvy about this, and I'm going to get a tracker mortgage. So a tracker is... Essentially, uh, it will follow interest rates up and down. So if, if interest rates went from 5.25 to 5, then your tracker mortgage, would uh, the, the rate on that will go down as well. And ultimately, your monthly repayments will be slightly less. Um, there is an inherent risk in that. So uh, you may be right. And you may have called uh, uh, things absolutely spot on. And interest rates might go down three, four times in the next 12 months. And you're going to be laughing at all your friends who locked in at a higher rate and said, uh, uh, yeah, I'm paying much less on my mortgage now because I didn't lock in when interest rates were higher. The problem is <laughs> if interest rates start going up, you're going to be paying more again. So and, mm -hmm. and uh, at the moment, so tracker rates or variable rates is another name for them do tend to be a little bit more expensive. So it's a trade off. You know, you, you may be paying more now for your tracker mortgage, but could you be paying less? But then you are taking a risk. You know, you're taking a gamble essentially aware on the future direction of interest rates. So so it, I suppose the, the, the message is, you know, it depends how how important um, uh, so how important it is so that to have that peace of mind that you know exactly how much is going to leave your bank account at the end of the month. If it's really, really important, uh, then you may want to look at a, a fixed rate. Uh, and again, uh, whether it's a two or five, um, it, it all depends on where you think interest rates will be in, in two and five years time. Um, on the other on the other side of the coin, uh, if you are willing, if, if, if you, know, you can, if you do have a bit of uh, slack and, and your, your budget does allow and you are willing to take the risk that interest rates could go up as well as down, um, but you think the direction is going to be down, then you may want to consider a, tr a tracker mortgage. But um, I think, like I said before, you know, the, the best people to uh, speak to in this uh, at this moment in time is, is a sort of independent mortgage broker. And, you know, they, they really in this sort of market when there is so much uncertainty, I think they really, really do uh, sort of prove their value and worth. Yeah, I was going to before we finish off, I actually just ask you a little bit about the kind of the broker thing, because. I think there's such a big tendency, particularly in personal finance media, about about kind of DIYing our finances as much as possible. And I, and I find that idea of going direct to a lender quite interesting because, and, and you know, exploring all those options in that sense is quite good, you know, and, and potentially avoiding, you know, big fees and that kind of thing. But 
the mortgage market, I mean, isn't it something, I, tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't it something like 90% of mortgages are arranged via a broker or something like that? We, we really love brokers in the UK, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and that wasn't the case of 10, 12 years ago. Um, uh, it, it was actually more like 50-50. But yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's, it's about it's about sort of 88, 89, 90% of people yeah. who use a mortgage broker these days. And, and you know, the, there are benefits for that it is it's a really stressful process buying a house or remortgaging a house you know and and you kind of need to know what you're doing you know there's a lot of jargon in there um and and you know, you've you've really got to understand the process inside out and at, you've also got to have the time to have a look around and see what the best rates are um and what you find sometimes as well is because uh, so many people go to brokers these days that lenders will reserve some of their best rates for brokers. So you can only get access to uh, the best, best rates if you go through a broker. Uh, that's not always the case with all lenders, but, you know, some of them, some of them do have those arrangements in place. Um, and I think, yeah, that, like you said, there are benefits. So if you don't use a broker, uh, some of them do charge fees. So you may have to pay an upfront uh, fee for the advice or some point during the advice process uh, they also get paid commission from the lender uh, when a when a case completes so it's very very small margin but that is just to cover all of the work that they've done not just sort of finding the mortgage but then submitting the application on your behalf as well uh, so there is that um, obviously if you go direct to a lender and cut out the, the the broker the middle person then you don't have to pay those fees uh, but like I said, you really, really have got to spend a lot of time looking for the best deals. Uh, you've got to, you've got to know what you're talking about. You've got to know what you're doing. Uh, an, an old friend of mine who's, who's a journalist, mortgage journalist as well. Uh, you know, well known, but I'm not going to name him on on, on uh, <laughs> well known in in our circles, but not going to name him right now. Uh, did that exact same thing, and this is this is about ten years ago. And uh, I remember reading a piece he wrote, and he said it was one of the biggest mistakes he said he thought he knew what he was talking about but he had a sort of quirky property uh and and you know he thought he understood lenders criteria and you know if you've got a sort of fairly standard property um then you know it's going to be a lot easier but he i think he had a flat above a shop and lenders don't tend to like that for some reason uh so yeah you know and and you've just got to know um uh what lenders criteria is but the problem yeah. is um you're not, you're not going to know what type of borrower they're looking for. So if you've got a really excellent credit score, you may, you're going to sail through with most lenders. Uh, if you've got a good, then some lender, most lenders will want to uh, offer you a mortgage, but some may not. Um, if you've got a sort of fair or middle of the road credit rating, then some of the bigger banks probably won't even look at you. You know, it's the, and, and, and especially if you've got some CCJs or some, some sort of uh, adverse credit on your credit history, you know, you've missed a couple of mobile phone payments, then you're really looking at the, the pool of lenders that will lend to you really, really shrinks. But you're not going to know that by yourself. But a mortgage broker who's submitting cases to these lenders every day uh, will know which lenders because they they submit these cases all the time. Okay, your situation is much like uh, my former clients who, uh, you know, very similar debt levels, missed a couple of mobile phone payments or, you know, has a similar sort of house. So I know that this bank won't look at you, but this one may. So, you know, that's where they really provide the, the value. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I think, um, I mean, that just about wraps up. I think what we were going to just have this kind of brisk chat about about remortgaging. It's obviously really, it's a tricky, tricky area. And, and, and you know, we want to help as much as we can but but i think like uh, paul says 
at the end of the day, um, getting the kind of expert help and advice, I think, is perhaps quite important, particularly if you have anything like like, like he says, anything other than than a kind of absolutely bog standard situation, you know, an advisor will, will help you fig, figure it out. Um, thank you, Paul, for joining me. That's been uh, extremely helpful um, and um, enlightening. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Absolute pleasure. No, absolutely <laughs> loved it. You've, uh, I'm a bit of a mortgage nerd, so you've got me on my favourite topic. So whenever you uh, want someone to come talk mortgages again, Hopefully, I've done enough uh, enough of a good job to get an invite back. <laughs> I knew that uh, there was always going to be a way. This is always going to be my way of getting you onto the podcast because I just want to reel you in. <laughs> We're going to have you back for more regular updates soon. We'll see how we get on. Um, brilliant! Thank you very much, everybody, for for tuning in. Obviously, you can catch the show on Spotify and Apple, and obviously on the Maldi Money website too. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes. We're weekly now, so we've always got more coming through. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. I'll speak to you soon.